This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the Ward Scott File Show. Of course, I'm not Ward Scott. I am your humble pinch hit host, Tim Martin. I'm a uh, staff member for the John Birch Society. I do fundraising for them. I am a city commissioner for the city of Newberry and Benso for about 10 years. And I am also the head of the Alachua County Republican Party, where I'm actually coming from uh, today. So we are in the Milden Law Studios, protected by crime prevention uh, security systems. And today we've got kind of a hodgepodge here, the first half of the hour. I want to talk about a few things. I want to kind of go over the Alachua County budget a little bit, kind of hit some of the high points about that, millage rates, et cetera. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about the Newberry meat processing plant. I've been actually getting quite a few questions from that. WCJP had asked me a couple of questions about that earlier this week. And also talk a little bit about if we have time to get into uh, the Gainesville scenario uh, with their taxes and that sort of thing. Hope you can, Hopefully you can uh, hear me. Uh, good. And then in the uh, second half of the hour, we're going to actually talk to a friend of mine. He is a senior editor over at the New American. Just put out a great piece about BlackRock. This is a big financial house uh, that you hear about in the news. Probably saw lots of videos, uh, but I really respect Alex's opinion. Uh, and he wrote up a great article in our magazine over at the New American. And we're going to talk with him a little bit about that. Alex is an author. He's a speaker. Uh, he is actually a University of Florida grad. Uh, he and I started here to, uh, together in the uh, in the same group. Uh, so I think he's going to be a real treat for you. We're going to get to him in the second half of the hour. Um, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a uh, rundown here this morning. Uh, Sports-wise, I know we got some sports fans in the audience. Feel free to try to get into the uh, the chat this morning. I've got it off camera here over on my phone to the right. If you got any questions, I'll try to field those. But Thanks, Lloyd, for joining us. Ken, good to see you this morning. And, uh, of course, Mr. Cook, always uh, always a pleasure. But in the major leagues, baseball action on the diamond, the Nations, or excuse me, the Nationals. The Nationals beat the Rockies, Marlins over the Rays, uh, Guardians, uh, the uh, previously named Cleveland Indians. Uh, they beat the Kansas City Royals, Mariners over the Twins, Brewers shut out the Cincinnati Reds Cardinals double digits 11 to 7 over the Diamonds or excuse me yeah, the Diamondbacks Arizona Blue Jays over the Dodgers Pirates over Padres Phillies won uh, they beat the Baltimore Orioles uh, the Red Sox won I know that'll help uh, make Catherine White's happy up in High Springs uh, the Yankees won that will not make her happy <laughs> uh, the Chicago Cubs beat the White Sox in inner city action there the Rangers over the Astros Giants over the Athletics. So there's your MLB action. The uh, PGA kicks off uh, this morning. Uh, the 3M Open. It's in Blaine, Minnesota, at the TPC Twin Cities. They got a local boy that's actually got a PGA exemption card playing in that tournament this weekend. So if you're into golf, uh, Thursday through Sunday is your time of the week, right? Uh, of course, the NFL doesn't kick off for uh, a couple more weeks. They actually have preseason games that start in two weeks, August 9th. Their regular season doesn't start until September 7th. And, of course, locally with the University of Florida Gators, uh, we're still a month away at this point. The Florida Gators actually kick off their season Thursday, August 31st in Utah. Uh, that is a night game for us, 8 p.m. Of course, Utah is a couple hours behind us on the time zones, uh, but the first home game is actually McNeese State on September 9th, so not until September, and then the, uh, the next home game will be the following week. The next big one will be the September 16th kickoff uh, versus Tennessee at home. That'll be a huge game. Uh, certainly the 
the the Tennessee Volunteers have gotten the best of a lot of teams here lately under new head coach Scott Pruitt. Uh, he's been there, I guess, two, three years now at this point. But uh, you can catch up with all your football and sports, so I'm not going to go any more into that. You can check all that out at the Shane Matthews Pot Up uh, podcast in the morning. Uh, that's a Monday through Friday show here on Facebook Live and elsewhere at 8 a.m. And you can check him out. Uh, good morning, Julia. Glad you could join us here on the chat this morning. Again, if you got any questions, I'll try to keep a side eye over here on some of that stuff. But let's talk a little bit about this Alachua County budget. You know, around the city and the county is no different this time of the year. We start talking about budgets. Most of the budgets start, I think, October 1. I know ours does over in the city of Newberry. So October 1 and during the summer, we start putting these budgets together and try to start finalizing everything. But um, if you actually go over in... It's not exactly e- always easy to find, but if you go to the Alachua County uh, website at .us, alachuacounty.us, you can kind of search their budget. So the county manager, Michelle Lieberman, she's put together this budget for our illustrious county here, and it's a 579-page document. That's right, 579 pages. It's almost uh, getting close to some of those bills up in uh you know, DC, but it's 579 pages. And uh, if you start out, and I'm actually going to spend a little bit of time, I want to be deliberate. I want to actually read through some of this. I know that could get a little bit of you back to sleep this morning, but I don't want to misinterpret. So I don't want to be the person who is giving you a filtered. I want you to just kind of hear it uh, directly from them. So in the, in the introduction, uh, Michelle Lieberman introduces and says, I'm very excited about our investments in our community in the coming years. Mind you, this is the third paragraph into this budget. Due to the passage of the 10-year, one-penny, wild spaces, public places, infrastructure tax, we will experience profound budget impacts in 24 and beyond. We'll continue conserving lands, investing in parks and recreation, but we now have the resources to invest in affordable housing projects and to impact our roads dramatically. I thought that was kind of a curious word, dramatically. When adding 70% of the second half of the penny to other funding sources, we are dedicating nearly a quarter of a billion dollars to our road challenges. I'm grateful to the voters for giving us the resources to tackle these issues. So let me point out, what we probably already know, and that is this use of nearly a quarter of a billion dollars. When you are talking, when you are talking and you want to make something sound bigger than it is, you associate it with a bigger factor. So she could have said $250 million, but does that sound as big and as robust as a quarter of a billion dollars? No. So, she uses a quarter of a billion dollars and tries to make it sound bigger. Mind you, the devil's in the details, as uh, Mark's got in here. The th- That investment is over 10 years. So it's nearly a quarter, so it's nearly $250 million over 10 years. So you got to back that out, divide that by 10 and you're going to get almost $25 million under this scenario over 10 years. Well, I know that's not, you know, small pennies. It's not small change. But let me put this into perspective for you a little bit. When the roads director came to the city of Newberry prior to the infrastructure tax being uh, levied or being on the ballot, the county had a joint meeting with the city of Newberry. They were trying to pitch us to try and get our support for the infrastructure tax. And we we were very hesitant about this. So they brought their dog and pony show in. They gave us a, a, you know the presentation. And essentially it boiled down to this. The county at that point was investing $4 million a year in roads. $4 million. They were excited about the fact that they were going to double that and boost that to $8 million out of the general fund. They were pitching the infrastructure tax, and if you pass this, this will add another $12 million 
to the road budget. So it'll boost that to, let's call it $20 million, just for conversational purposes, $20 million. But the road director goes on to tell us that he needs $40 million just to keep the road par. So take all the road miles in the uh, county, and it will take $40 million $40 million just to keep them even, okay? Now, 20 out of 40 is still half. We're going to keep continue to go backwards on roads. We're going to go in reverse, pun intended. We're still going to go in reverse. So the county pitch has always been, in my opinion, that they want to make the roads bad enough that you will levy an extra tax against yourself, and they won't have to do it. And that's exactly what has, has played out. They packaged it into the wild spaces, public places tax, uh, so they could finally get it across the finish line once and for all. But folks in Alachua County, the surrounding area, if you visit this area, the roads are still going to continue to go bad because we're only going to be funding them essentially at 50% of what is really, really needed. So no improvement, just par. Uh, so the... Uh, Let's go back to the introduction. So there's a 10% increase in stormwater. Uh, there's a 10, 10 uh, stormwater increases in solid waste, uh, but they are going to keep the MSTU, which is the uh, MSTU for uh, the law enforcement, the sheriff's office, that the same, the fire assessment's the same. Um, but here, here's the kicker, and you can go to page six, and it has a pretty little diagram of how all the dollars are spent and they're touting that 30 cents out of every dollar goes to the sheriff and the 20 cents out of every dollar goes to the, uh, you know, the county commission programs. Uh, there's less than a penny that goes towards the, uh, cities for community development there. But, you know, it's all kind of a little bit of, bit of smoke and mirrors. She's touting out that this is the seventh year in a row. Uh, that they're going to have a millage decrease, but we all know that the property tax, property values going up are going to offset any de decreases in the millage rate. Uh, so this is a, you know, going back to the roads actually real quick. When you get down into uh, this introduction a little bit more, it kind of lists a kind of a priorities list for the county. Well, here's, here's the list. I'll give you the list. Public safety, natural resources, economic opportunity, governance, social strength and well-being, and then infrastructure and capital improvements. So if this is this is a list, it doesn't say it's a list of priorities, and it doesn't say that they're in uh, value order and, or enlisted in any particular order, but the infrastructure, which I find to be a core product or core service that the government is supposed to provide, sixth on the list, behind natural resources, behind economic opportunity, behind social strength and well-being, whatever that is. Uh, but, yeah, you got to get down to sixth on the list uh, before you get into infrastructure and capital improvements. Um, uh, how many roundabouts, speed bumps, and crosswalks will that buy? Boy, it, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Good question. I don't really know. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can go to the Alachua County website. Maybe you can find it uh, somewhere in there. But I want to jump down to uh, just give me a second here. I want to jump down to page 48. So that is that is uh, really kind of starts giving you a little bit better picture of where the where the money comes from, because I want to kind of you know, hold on to your seat here. The county budget is now at seven hundred and fifty million dollars. All in $750 million price tag. Couple that with the county school board. This will be the first year, I believe, where our total county tax bill just between those two entities will surpass a billion dollars here in Alachua County. That's a billion dollars for about 287 or 280,000 people. And I'll get into that a little bit further as well. But now back to page 48. So, Here's a here's a couple of snapshots. Sheriff and law enforcement, $120 million, a 16% increase year over year. So these are all year over year increases, uh, or I should say changes. Uh, fire rescue, another core service, $73.9 million. 
9.85% increase. So those two are under the header of protecting the community, protecting the community. Then there's this title, serving the community. Community support services, $33 million, a 4.4% increase. Constitutional officers, uh, excluding the sheriff. So that's things like the SOE office, property appraiser's office, $28.3 million. Oh, just a modest increase there, 3.77. Court services, $12.6 million, 1.6%, sorry, 1.68% of the budget. Uh, uh, judicial offices are 3.3, they're 0.44% of the budget. So these aren't budget increases, these are just percentages of the budget. I, I apologize. So com- community and administrative services, 14.1 million. So they're 1.88% of the budget. Community and strategic services are 0.79%. Code administration, animal resources combined. Uh, those are right at about $6 million worth of code administration and animal resources. You know, they got the new sprinkler program. They got to, uh, you know, control everybody's water use. So they got new uh, increases, I'm sure, over at the code enforcement trying to worry about who's sprinkling their lawn and who isn't. Uh, parks and open space, uh, that's almost $8 million of the budget. Uh, improving uh, the community is the next grouping, so to speak. Capital projects, 433 uh, it's just a little bit shy of 6% of the budget. Public works, environmental protection, uh, a duplicate service that the state actually provides, but, you know, the greenies down town in uh, Gainesville, they can't uh, be worried about just what the state is. They've got to tack on another close to $14 million, 5.21% of the budget, uh, to provide natural resource support and rejuvenation of the county, including water resources protection, natural reserve protection, and land conservation. Does anybody dispute with those things? No. Do we need to spend another close to $40 million within the Alachua County perimeter to do it? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, but the, you know, the, the county, just like in D.C., has weaponized some of those departments like the FBI, the Department of Education, uh, Department of Interior, just as IRS, uh, fill in the blank. Just as D.C. has weaponized some of those departments, the Alachua County Commission has weaponized their, their own Environmental Protection Department. Uh, same goes for the Growth Management Department. Uh, you'll remember the Growth uh, management amendment that went forward. They want to be able to continue to tell you what you can and can't do with your property after you've annexed into a city, uh, which is why most people go into a city because they want to get away from uh, the big thumb and the boot on their neck from the Alachua County Commission. Solid waste is another $31 million. So big time, big money. And here is the kicker. One of the big kickers, page 51, shows a little bit of a year-by-year comparison And I want to stop and make sure everybody is listening here. In 2021, the Alachua County budget was $486 million. In 2024, the proposed budget is $751 million. I'll just let that sink in there for a second. Three years, 486, all the way up to $751 million dollars and i said that number before but let me kind of do a little math for you that represents a 54 percent increase in the budget in three years the population in alachua county we just did a census the population has only increased 1.9 excuse me 1.09 percent 54% increase in the budget, 1%, and a couple others increase in population. That, to me, is absolutely staggering. And I hope every person running for county commission next year beats that drum uh, so hard that it rings in our unborn grandchildren's ears. I just think that is absolutely 125% egregious. Because if let's let's break that down, you know, I I didn't I did some more math. Look, uh, you know, funny that is twenty seven hundred dollars per person. So a family of four, 
do the math. $10,728 per family. So what's that cost a family on a monthly basis? You take the 10728 and divide that by 12. That's $900 per month coming out of a family budget. You can buy a couple great used cars for that. You can get everyone a cell phone for that. Uh, you can go on vacation for that. Uh, $10,000 a year per family? Are you kidding me? What value do any of us get from the county for that? $900 a month. You can put away for retirement. You can give more money to charity. You can give more money to your church. You can improve your home. You can. There is a lot of things you can do with $900 a month, people. A lot. A ton. But no. Elatra County Commission wants to suck that out of our pockets and drive it into social programs, drive it into anything other than the core services that they're supposed to be doing. Because remember, the general fund, the property tax value money, all goes into this other stuff. They have managed and packaged all these external uh, of those core taxes into additional things. Infrastructure sales tax, the MSTU, the fire assessment, on and on and on and on. It's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. We're reaching the bottom of the hour here on the Ward Scott Files. I am your pinch hit uh, host today, Tim Martin. I am a development officer for the John Burt Society, city commissioner in Newberry, and head of the Republican Party here in Alachua County. I hope you're enjoying the show. It's been a great week so far. I got to listen to some of the Ted Yoho's uh, interview yesterday, you know, weekly favorite here on the Ward Scott Files. I always enjoy uh, doing that. I appreciate your patience yesterday during the show. I know they had a couple of technical difficulties. Let me scan over here real quick. So let the UF buy the buses that uh, wear down the roads. Uh, yeah, Julia, good, good, <laughs> good compliment there or good comment there. UF contribution. You know, I don't really know. That's such a, an enigma and I just really don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, getting into that. And that's my sister there, Kimberly Marden Williams. Everybody say hello to her. Uh, Mr. Cook, always uh, appreciate your comments. Uh, yeah, Ken, who, whose pockets are being are being stuffed? You know, I've come kind of come to the realization uh, that there is a lot of real estate movement through there um, in in the in the county. I know that there is a lot of money that goes to studies. Uh, to attorneys, uh, you know, they fight the state on different things. That all sucks up resources, and that doesn't come out of their money. You know, I always have this anecdotal suspicion that a lot of that money uh, goes to these, you know, these uh, uh, consultants, I guess you just generically call them consultants, uh, and they come back in the form of donations to campaigns, ever, you know, anyway. I don't necessarily have any proof of that. It's just certainly uh, my suspicion. Uh, this is my mom, everybody in the chat, Jenny Martin. Everybody say hi to her. Uh, always appreciate you all checking in here on the uh, on the Word Scott Files. I'm going to be here tomorrow as well, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so if you have any topics that you want to try to hit, give those to me here in the comment. And, of course, Danielle Mills, uh, she's my wife in there, so i got to – Got to say hello to her, right? Uh, so everybody appreciates you uh, in the comments there. So uh, the actual millage, so the, the first reading of the millage and always the budgets, they go through some iterations. So we're just kind of on the front end of this budget process. But the proposed millage in Alachua County is going to be proposed right now at 7.6414. That is down from last year that had 7.7662. And I just want to kind of define what is the millage. So if you think about the algebra equations that you did back in high school, it was, you know, 7x equals 21. You know the x equals 3. So the millage is sort of that x factor. So you take the property value, which in that equation would have been the 7, you multiply it by per 100,000 on the millage rate, and that's where you kind of get your tax bill. Now, if you look at your tax bill, there's all, you know always a little credits for you know, senior living for veterans and different things. So those go kind of out in the wash. You look at your tax bill, there's also going to be everything from the school board, the library district. And then if you're in an incorporated city, that will be there as well. 
but the millage is sort of that X factor uh, that gets adjusted on a yearly basis by the governing board, whether that's the, the county or the city. And so that is technically going down. So you'll have the commissioners say that they have lowered your millage rate for the seventh year in a row, which is true. Uh, but that doesn't really tell the whole picture. Because when you have that number seven being an eight or a nine or a 10, equating to an increase in property value, even if you lower the X value, you're still going to get a net higher tax bill. So to actually make that the same, you hear this term called the rollback rate. So the rollback rate, I believe, would have been about 7.0. I think I read earlier in the in the budget. So it would have been 7.0. The rollback rate is that millage rate that would have generated the same property tax value uh, from everybody. But it's going to be set at 7.64. So there is actually a net increase. Uh, there, If you re- go over to the Alachua Chronicle.com, uh, uh, Jen, Jennifer Cabrera has a piece uh, back uh, a couple of, you'll have to go back through a couple of iterations, but uh, that actually still generated an extra, I think, $4 million or so in the county budget, and that was contributing to new construction. So everybody else would basically be the same, and any of those new properties coming online would have been contributing uh, a little bit more. Um, but with the rollback rate, I think that total, I think she writes in her article that it's actually another $15 million worth of property taxes. Uh, again, couple that with the budget proposal coming out of the school board, those two county level count, uh, taxing authorities, we are going to be north of a billion dollars for the first time here in Alachua County. So, uh, you know, put that, put that into your, into your, into your thought. Think about that a little bit. Think about what that could potentially motivate you to do about the upcoming elections next year. Cause this stuff has got to, has got to change. Um, yeah, that general fund budget, I just looked it up on the electrochronicle.com. Uh, Jennifer has another article in there. The school board sets tentative budget amid concerns about holes. Uh, so their budget is, uh, right at $315 million. Last year it was 291. Uh, so that is obviously a bit of an increase. I may be able to have a second to do it here at the bottom of the hour break, uh, to do the math on the increase there. Uh, but, that is 15 plus 9, so you got a 24% increase. That looks like it's probably about 10, about 10% increase there in the in the, uh, in the the school board budget. Again, we're breaking uh, here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to get to our special guest, Alex Newman, uh, a friend of mine. He wrote this article in The New American that's out this week about BlackRock, very mysterious sort of uh, entity, and I hope uh, Alex can shed some light on what that uh, organization all about. You hear about ESG, DEI, the vanguards, the state streets that they own half of the world. Uh, BlackRock is one of those companies, so we're going to dive into that at the bottom of the hour, and uh, that'll take us to 10 o'clock with Alex Newman, the local UF graduate, so stay tuned to the Ward Scott Files, and we will be back here or after the break in just a moment with weather. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, 
you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Uh, hi there, this is Head Ball Coach Steve Spurrier, and I'm here with my wife, Jerry, and our good friend, Sherry Houston, the Executive Director of the Ronald McDonald House Charities of North Central Florida. We're thrilled to announce that the two-year anniversary of our restaurant, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, is coming up on August 14th. Last year, we had so much fun celebrating with everybody that we're doing it bigger and better this year. We're hosting a special dinner and celebration that will include a chef's choice of premium buffet or your favorite Spurrier Gridiron Grill menu, including a filet mignon carving station, shrimp and grits, short rib risotto, wonderful seafood options, and many dessert options also. Like my famous chocolate chip cookie. Proceeds being donated to the local Ronald McDonald House. Thrilled to once again partner with Coach Jerry and the Spurrier Gridiron team to raise funds for the Ronald McDonald House, benefiting families and children experiencing medical emergencies. Spurrier's Gridiron Grill will be donating 11% of all of our money from food and 66% of drink sales to the Ronald McDonald House. Go to Spurrier's.com right now and reserve a ticket before they sell out. We'll have wonderful food, special guests, and a limited edition of the second year anniversary collector's coins, as well as prizes, like a dinner with me and Jerry. We couldn't have become one of the busiest and most successful restaurants in the Southeast without your support. So we want to celebrate with the most important people of our team, and that's you. I want to celebrate with some of those cookies. Do you have any of those? Sure do. Right here for you. Oh, thank you. host uh tim martin welcome to the melden law studios protected by crime prevention studios uh at the bottom of the hour we're always talking a little bit about break or excuse me we always talk a little bit about uh weather of course today here in north central florida we should be getting br- uh probably highs in the low to mid 90s looks like there may be about a 25 percent chance of rain here in the afternoon hour uh lows overnight into the mid 70s Chance of rain diminishes significantly as the day goes on, and we certainly appreciate Lewis Oil Company for sponsoring our weather break here at the bottom of the hour each day on the Ward Scott Files. Today, we have a special guest, uh, author of just one of the books that he has written, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes, Alex Newman. He is a senior editor for The New American uh, of the... Yeah, senior editor of the New American. Uh, Alex, welcome to the program. We certainly appreciate you being here. You have written a excellent piece for the New American. It's going to be out this week about BlackRock, and I've been showing it this morning in the first half of the hour, Masters of the Universe. Alex, welcome to the program. Can you tell us just kind of who BlackRock is and what is going on? Well, thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. I <laughs> uh, appreciate you having me on. 
so BlackRock is a monster. It is so giant, um, it, it's hard to fathom. Uh, they have uh, $10 trillion under management, so it's an investment company. And um, that, to put that in perspective, that, that's more than the GDP of every country on the entire planet, with the exception of the United States and China. So we're, we're talking a massive operation. And it's led by a guy called Larry Fink, who is he's he's almost like a caricature of an evil globalist. The guy serves on the board of the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab, you know, the weirdo German guy who's always blabbering about the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, he's also on the board of the Council on Foreign Relations, which I identify in the book that you pointed to as a basically deep state headquarters here in the United States. So um, extremely powerful organization. And essentially they have weaponized our money our retirement funds, our state and local government pension funds. Uh, they have weaponized our money to turn uh, the business community in the United States woke. So you wonder why Why is Bud Light committing corporate suicide? Why is Target committing corporate suicide? Why did Disney lose a billion dollars uh, on their last 10 garbage movies, um, knowing full well that parents were not interested in taking their kids to go uh, have LGBT propaganda shoved down their throat. Well, the reason why is they're trying to please Larry Fink and BlackRock because Larry uh, Larry Fink and BlackRock are uh, the major stakeholders in virtually every one of the Fortune 500 companies. And um, yeah, and you know the relationship there with the World Economic Forum is obviously huge. And um, it's it's hard to overstate the negative influence of this wicked organization, Tim. Gotcha. We're speaking with Alex Newman, senior editor of the New American. Uh, which is published by our organization, uh, the John Birch Society. Alex, that's a it's a pretty good, re- great recap. And you talked a little bit about the ESG component. Do you understand or have kind of a grip on how they actually are able to execute that or force these companies into doing it? I mean, I have a suspicion that they actually force them into doing it, drives down the stock prices, and then they just go back in and buy all the stock at a much cheaper price and ride the wave back up. But I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on really how they execute some of this uh, warlord type <laughs> hold over all these companies. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, Tim, I've spoken to several state attorneys general across the United States who are now investigating BlackRock for all kinds of shenanigans, uh, everything from antitrust to violation of their fiduciary obligations for worrying about this ESG garbage and the climate nonsense when they're supposed to be making money for their shareholders and for the people who, um, who trust them with their money. So uh, so th- they'll be dealing with that, I think, uh, for years to come. This is not going away. But the way ESG works, for the people out there who haven't followed this as closely as they probably should, uh, ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance. And, you know, traditionally a free market system, companies are worried about making money for their shareholders. Like, that, that's literally their obligation. When you're on the board of directors for a company, your job is to make money for the shareholder. That That's your one and only job. And how do you do that? Well, you satisfy the needs and wants of customers. So you take inputs, you add value to them, you sell them, and uh, you, you thereby create wealth for your shareholders, for your clients, for your customers, for whatever it is. Well, with ESG, it's totally different, right? Think of Nazi Germany. Think of fascist Italy, where uh, Benito Mussolini explained that fascism was really the merger of state and corporate power. That's what we're dealing with here. So you get Larry Fink, um, and he brags publicly about how we're forcing behavior change on companies. He does a yearly letter to CEOs. And so what he's said is basically, companies, we want you to focus not just on making money. We want you to focus on global warming, right? So if you buy lots of carbon credits from Al Gore so that he can uproot an African village and replace it with trees, then you get extra bonus points on your environmental piece. Um, on on social, well, do you have enough uh, gender-confused individuals in your advertisements, right? Are you hiring Dylan Mulvaney to rep your beer company? Well, then you get some extra social points. Uh, as for governance, you know, do you have enough uh, LGBTQ, LMNOP uh, individuals on your board of directors? Do you have enough diversity, equity, and inclusion training for your managers? And if you do, you get extra bonus points. And so then Larry Fink comes in and rewards you with a pat on the head like a good little surf. Uh, but, uh, I mean, this is totally contrary to the free market system. This is totally contrary to good business practice. And to give you a sense of just how stupid this was, Tim, anybody who got suckered into investing in this ESG nonsense, uh, the stock market uh, lost about 20% last year. If you had invested in an ESG fund, you got taken to the cleaners. If you had invested in the things that the ESG crowd is avoiding, like energy companies, 
Oil companies went up 60% last year. So if you got taken to the cleaners by these clowns in their ESG thing, you may want to consider talking to a lawyer uh, because, again, they, these people have a fiduciary obligation to make you money, and instead they're making money for Al Gore and Klaus Schwab and the rest of the corporate fascist mafia. I was going to ask you about that, how it, this sort of fits in to the World Economic Forum and the Klaus Schwab's of the world, because BlackRock is not the only one. We've heard about State Street. We've heard about Vanguard. Uh, so how is Klaus Schwab fit into this? Is he a, a puppet or a puppeteer? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I, I say Klaus Schwab... Uh, is not the mastermind of this operation. In fact, uh, there's a very clear chain of command. He was recruited by Henry Kissinger. Uh, Mr. Newbert Order, we must have a Newbert Order. Uh, and then, of course, Henry Kissinger was recruited by David Rockefeller, who brags in his book on page 405 in his autobiography that he's conspiring with a secret cabal. You think I'm making this up? I'm not. Go get the book at the library. It's called Memoirs, page 405. He's He's conspiring, he says, with a secret cabal against the best interests of his own country to form a one-world political and economic order. Uh, and then I, I say only half-jokingly, of course, David Rockefeller was recruited by Satan. And so you have your, your chain of command there. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, BlackRock is a fundamental part of what's happening with the Great Reset and the New World Order. Right. So Larry Fink, not only does he sit on the board of the World Economic Forum, the World Economic Forum is, uh, has actually signed a partnership. They call it a strategic partnership with the United Nations, uh, or as I call it, the United Abominations, to uh, implement Agenda 2030 around the world. Now, Agenda 2030, they've told us, is the master plan for humanity. That's how the leaders of the UN were referring to it. They say no one shall be left behind. Uh, and I encourage people to read it. It is self Evidently, it is openly and transparently a recipe for global totalitarianism, right? And, and they, they have 17 sustainable development goals. They call them SDGs. Number 10 is global wealth redistribution. So uh, national socialism is no longer enough. They insist now that we need to reduce inequality and redistribute wealth internationally, um, which it shouldn't be a surprise, right? The communist Chinese government bragged that they played a crucial role in developing this and Klaus Schwab and Larry Fink and BlackRock are huge, huge fans of the communist China model, uh, which, by the way, is insane. They've murdered more people than any other government in the world. So uh, the World Economic Forum yeah. basically brings the businesses to the table. Larry Fink forces the businesses to go woke. Klaus Schwab uh, radicalizes them to, to get on board with this Agenda 2030. Uh, the UN brings together the governments. Now uh, they're bringing together the religions of the world. And so you've got, as uh, Peter Drucker, the management guru, put it, you got the three-legged stool. Government through the UN, business through the World Economic Forum, and religions or the social sector through an organization funded by the UN and uh, the U.S. government and the Rockefeller Foundation and all the rest of it called Religions for Peace. That, again, has openly committed its members. They claim to represent about 7 billion religious believers. They've openly committed to human development as defined in Agenda 2030. So it's basically all of the powerful institutions you can think of are walking in lockstep against us little people, us little Americans who are trying our best to save our country and our freedom. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's great because uh, you know, everybody in the audience right now, they're getting a 30-minute fire hydrant opened up on them. But you can get a lot of this stuff on an ongoing basis in your writing over at thenewamerican.com and over at the Liberty Sentinel. I mean, you do videos um, constantly throughout the week under the video section at thenewamerican.com. Just let's put the Black Rock aside for a second. Just tell everybody a little bit about where they can find your work and some of the shows that you have and what you're actually producing. What is on your uh, kind of agenda and what seems to be the hot topics uh, over at those at those platforms. Oh, well, I appreciate it, Tim. So obviously, I'm senior editor at the New American Magazine, and so our latest issue is the the BlackRock issue. And I, I do a lot for TNA. Um, I do a, a weekly show called Behind the Deep State, where I show people. And actually, I just finished a, a six part series on BlackRock for that show. Uh, people can go, you know, for the people who don't read much, and and I know there are many of them because, of course. Uh, you know, government schools haven't done a very good job of teaching reading. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. So uh, so for people who prefer to listen and watch, uh, that's available there. You can find it at thenewamerican.com. Uh, I also do two or three times every week for The New American uh, an interview with uh, somebody who has something important to say, um, typically 
you know, a, a thought leader, a, a legislator, an opinion molder, uh, an, an expert in some field. And that's called Conversations That Matter. They can also find that over at thenewamerican.com. Um, separately from that, I do, you know, a few other things. I, uh, I'm the president of Liberty Sentinel Media. People can find us at libertysentinel.org. I send out a weekly newsletter for free if anybody wants to sign up. Uh, just kind of a roundup of the important stuff going on each week. Uh, I do a daily show for uh, Frank Speech, Lindell TV, Brighteon, and a bunch of other platforms that's available. It uh, goes live every day from 4.30 to 5 at Lindell TV 2, and then gets rebroadcast by uh, five or six other networks and then some uh, all the podcasting services. And people can find that usually at my website as well, libertysentinel.org. Um, I do a, a weekly show called Liberty Hour for uh, AMP. And I write for a lot of different publications, including the Epic Times and things like that. So I, I, I stay busy, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, certainly a very, very busy guy. And um, the New American also, for you podcasters, uh, we have a New American app. You can download that from any of your uh, digital devices. And the great thing that I like about particularly the, the videos or the podcast is I don't necessarily have a lot of this stuff. You don't necessarily have to be looking at the screen. So you can pump it or, you know, put in your cup holder. You can hit play and listen to it as you're driving to work. You know, some of these shows are, are less than 30 minutes and that's pretty much most people's commutes. But even some of the longer stuff, you can just put it on and play it as you drive. So you can really get uh, up to speed on, on all of this stuff. And I appreciate all the things that you're doing uh, at all those various things. You have the six part series on BlackRock. Uh, you guys, can go to the newamerican.com under the video section and just go to that show and or the deep state uh, and got to go back and get a little bit deeper dive than we're able to certainly get here. Uh, Alex, the, the, the way this fits in uh, from an economic standpoint, you know, I, I think we would agree that it's, it's really about kind of tearing down the, the American economy and they're doing a really good job of that. It's a matter of, Really thinking about what are their goals versus what you think their goals <laughs> their goals are actually, and what are some of the some of the other things about BlackRock that really raise the hair on the back of your neck that maybe we didn't touch on or I didn't ask you about? Well, one of the things that I find really troubling is how they seem to be destroying American industry, destroying the American economy while building up communist China's. Um, and there are a number of examples of this that are really, really, really troubling, right? Um, and it, it's it's amazing that they do all this virtue signaling about uh, how, um, you know, American companies need to do more for the environment. American companies need to do more for, for transgenderism. Uh, when do you suppose the last time Larry Fink called up uh, a Chinese company and said, Hey, uh, you, you don't have transgenders in your advertisements. You know, we're going to really consider ousting you from the board of directors here. Uh, you know, I, I think the Chinese people really need to see men uh, prancing around as women uh, dancing half naked in front of children. And, and we don't consider it appropriate. So the answer is they never do that. Right. And, and why not? Well, right. I think part of it is because they are deliberately working to undermine uh, the U.S. economy and American business and build up communist China. Uh, there's another really interesting example too, and I included this in my uh, in my article. Uh, in 2021, uh, BlackRock actually moved against uh, some of Exxon's directors. Uh, some of the directors uh, on the board of Exxon had decided that they um, they kind of wanted to do their own thing on uh, alleged man-made global warming. You know, they'd been pounded for so long, they came up with like their own global warming plan. But uh, there were uh, these environmental activists that were insisting they do uh, all kinds of other stupid things that would be terrible for the company. And so uh, BlackRock actually was able to oust some of the directors and and replace them with uh, Looney Tunes uh, climate activists. Uh, and then even more crazy, uh, BlackRock machinations actually forced Exxon to slash its oil production. And that allowed uh, the, the Communist Party of China controlled PetroChina, one of the big investors in BlackRock, to come in and grab uh, formerly Exxon's giant oil fields. Um, so, you know, that, that's pretty disturbing when you have... BlackRock uh, forcing an American company out of a market so that the communist Chinese can come in and pick it up. And, uh, you know, Larry Fink, it, it goes right along with what Larry Fink says. He says, um, and this is a direct quote from him. We've even got the video. Uh, markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like totalitarian governments where you have an understanding of what's out there. 
democracies are very messy, as we know in the United States. You know, I, I, what I say to Larry Fink is if you think uh, totalitarian governments are so great, I'll get you a one way ticket to North Korea or Cuba. And I don't want to hear from you again. You know, we can solve this right now, but stop messing up our yeah. country with our money. Yeah, I'll be happy to chip in on that on that plane t- <laughs> on that plane ticket. I bet we can oh, raise the money great. real quick on Give Send Go, huh? Oh, oh, I bet we could charter a jet. I think we'd get so much money if we would <laughs> charter a jet. Uh, you, over here on the chat uh, on the side off the screen, I have a question here from Ken. Does where does BlackRock fit into the picture of devaluing the dollar and the promotion of the digital dollar? Got any thought on that? Yeah, so BlackRock is, you know, the the Bloomberg, which you know is run by the totalitarian uh, nanny stater Michael Bloomberg, actually labeled BlackRock the fourth branch of government, <laughs> and and that's no exaggeration. BlackRock is so tightly connected to the establishment, to the Biden administration, to the Federal Reserve, that it really is hard to tell where one begins and the other ends. Uh, that's how close they are. In fact, in 2007, 2008, when the, the mortgage market, the housing market, the banks were melting down, they actually called in Larry Fink and BlackRock, and BlackRock helped manage the bailout process. I mean, they were literally, with the Federal Reserve, with the federal government, they were helping to run this. And quite ironically, Larry Fink helped cause the meltdown in the first place. Uh, that same thing happened again during COVID. And to, to illustrate how close this relationship is, uh, there's something really interesting. In 2019, uh, Black, a bunch of central bankers that BlackRock had hired that were now working for BlackRock went to a, a special meeting in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they presented this plan uh, for going direct, where uh, the Federal Reserve, instead of having to basically buy up uh, government bonds to inject money into the economy, they'd be able to go direct and just reach directly to the consumer and pass out money, which is, of course, what they want to do with central bank digital currencies. The central bank would directly issue these currencies to the consumer. Well, uh, so BlackRock presented this proposal to the central banks of the world. And then within months, right before COVID, incidentally, the central banks said, hey, that's a great idea. We should do that, right? So you have central banks now taking over fiscal policy, uh, you know, fiscal policy, even in this crazy upside down monetary system that we have today, fiscal policy, taxing, spending has always understood to be been understood to be in the realm of uh, elected officials, right? All spending bills right. have to, and taxing bills have to originate in the House of Representatives. Sure, sure. Well, with this going direct scheme that BlackRock presented to the central bankers and then the central bankers adopted, the central bank then is able to directly get money into the hands of companies, et cetera. So what they're doing here is they're basically looting the American people and redistributing that money to their cronies that will go woke, that will go ESG. So how deeply are they involved in the push for a central bank digital currency and all the rest of the changes that we're seeing, the destruction of the dollar, uh, I would say intimately, um, you know, in, in many, yeah. many ways. And again, the same people running BlackRock, are there's just this revolving door between senior leadership at BlackRock, senior leadership of the regulatory agencies, senior leadership of the central banks. Uh, and, and I show yep. in the article, I mean, there's so many examples. We don't have time to go through them now, but go check out the article. It's at thenewamerican.com. You will see the list is just endless. Yeah, you talk about the uh, the fourth branch of government, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the Enemies of the Deep State show in like part four or five uh, of that. So if anybody in the audience wants to go back and, and look at that, again, you can get that at thenewerican.com under the video section and take a little bit uh, deeper deeper dive into that. Uh, Lloyd Bailey has a comment in here. Uh, excellent show. Thanks for being on. Uh, and... He, he comments, which you and I both know, if you connect the dots, you're usually going to find the Council on Foreign Relations. You mentioned David Rockefeller earlier here. Um, Alex, you sort of already kind of answered this question, but I'll ask anyway. Um, the the political connections are just as deep as the financial connections, are they not? They are, yep. Uh, one of the things we learned from the press, I think it was the uh, Financial Times that I quoted in my article, Um Treasury Secretary Timothy TurboTax Geithner, that was Obama's Treasury Secretary, uh, who incidentally publicly said during a meeting of the Council on Foreign Relations that he supported the Communist Chinese plan to sideline the U.S. dollar as the global reserve and bring about an international global currency run by the International Monetary Fund. He said, we're quite open to that, actually. Um, The person he called most during the economic crisis was none other than Larry Fink, the chair of BlackRock. So... um, the uh, the connections there run very very deep. 
Um, and, you know, I, I think it's time for Congress to start looking at this because uh, this is a, a conflict of interest of unbelievable proportions, right? Uh, BlackRock is literally taking taxpayer money, taking money that the Federal Reserve created out of nothing or actually said more properly looted from American savers uh, and redistributing it to companies that they're invested in, to companies that they want to control. Uh, th- this is so highly inappropriate. It's it, it's hard to know. Um, even how to put it into words, but something needs to be done here. This is just absolutely uh, irresponsible. It's, it's in my opinion, clearly immoral, and it may be illegal. So I'm encouraged by all these Republican state AGs that are looking into this. I'm encouraged by all the um, uh, treasurers for the different states that are withdrawing their money from here. Uh, we actually interviewed uh, the, the man who's leading this coalition for the New American Magazine, Riley Moore. He is the state treasurer for West Virginia. Uh, he rounded up, I think, 20 other states almost that that uh, decided to pull their money from BlackRock. Uh, we need a whole lot more of that. And so, folks, get on the phone with your member of Congress. Get on the phone with your, your uh, well, in Florida, we have a CFO, and thankfully he's already pulled the money out, uh, Jimmy Patronis. Uh, so get on the phone yep. with your elected officials and tell them that we need action on this. This is not capitalism. This is not the free market. This is fascism. This is weaponizing our own money against us. Well, in the last couple of minutes that we have here, I want to get to, you know, it's obviously kind of a, a kind of an ugly picture that we kind of pick. Uh, and I want to ask you about what we can do about it. But before we do that, you actually interviewed uh, presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy the other day at Camp Constitution, uh, held by a friend of ours, Hal Shirtliff, up in New England. And he started a financial company to sort of kind of compete against this, if I'm not mistaken. Did you get a chance to talk with him about that? Or what was what was maybe a little bit of the summary of that quick interview that you had with him? I know you didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, well, one of the things he said is that because I asked him, he he was listed on the World Economic Forum's webpage as a young global leader, as Klaus Schwab calls them. And so I asked him about right. that, and he's like, you know what? Nobody's done more to fight this CSG industrial complex than me. And he was referring to his company, Shrive Asset Management. That um, one of the reasons it was supposedly founded was to. Um, help investors be able to invest focused on returns and risk rather than ESG and climate and transgenderism and things like this. So uh, he has taken, you know, direct action on that front. Uh, and there are many others. In fact, just uh, two or three weeks ago for the new American, I interviewed uh, another great American uh, art alley who runs uh, the uh, Timothy plan. Timothy you plan. and I uh, both know him. Yeah. So he, he ignores the ESG stuff and tries to invest money uh, based on biblical values. There's a lot of good options out there. There's a MAGA, a MAGA fund. There's an American conservative values fund. So if Americans are looking for places to invest their money that aren't going to weaponize their money against us, those are all uh, good options. But uh, no, the interview with Vivek was interesting. Um, you know, he, he's got a few things in his background that people have, have asked about. You know, he got money from uh, Paul Soros, George Soros's brother, for his college education. And he's responded to that and said, you know, he's just a scholarship. I don't owe him anything. You know, no big deal. Um, he also, uh, of course, was listed as a, as a global leader of the World Economic Forum, although he said in the interview with me that he's now suing them because they used his uh, face and his image on their website without his permission. Um, so, you know, he had a lot of good things to say. Um, you know, he, he spoke about uh, there are many good reasons to get us out of the United Nations, which, I mean, that's the understatement of the year right there. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's a good start, right? Uh, speaking our language yeah. here. Um, you know, one, one thing that I tried to nail him down on, and, and I didn't really get a clear response. Uh, you know, he comes from a Hindu background. Uh, he, he has said he is a Hindu. He's a pagan. And, uh, of course, America was founded on uh, biblical principles, right? And if, if you read the writings of the founding fathers, they quote the Bible more than anybody. I mean, biblical principles are found all throughout our founding documents. And so I asked him, you know, what do you think about America's Christian heritage and uh, the biblical principles that undergird uh, our political institutions? And, um, you know, I, I got a kind of a squishy answer. Is, well, I, I agree with the values in the Bible. OK, that's nice. Um, you know, I, I would have liked a little bit of a stronger answer, but. Um, anyways, he, he's obviously a major candidate. Uh, he, he's polling, depending on what poll you look at, third or fourth place. So he's doing very good. He's um, he's really, uh, I think, focusing in on an area that he considers to be his forte, and that is uh, attacking the ESG and the DEI, the the you know the attack on merit. So uh, people can watch that. It's at my website, LibertySentinel.org. I'll be writing something about it for the New American, uh, hopefully this week, and uh, people can see that as well. So, well, fantastic, Alex. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, you know, go check out the newamerican.com and art and uh, Alex's article about BlackRock Masters of the Universe. And if you have a little bit more time, head over to shopjbs.org, pick up a copy of The Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes 
Uh, you have uh, been watching the World Scott Files. I've been pinch hitting here today. I'll be here tomorrow on the World Scott Files. I'm Tim Martin, and we've been speaking with Alex. Alex, uh, again, people can reach you at the newamerican.com, libertysentinel.org. You've got videos and interviews of multiple shows every day. Uh, so people can get more information for you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy guy. This was a little bit last minute, but I really appreciate you stepping in and uh, letting us chat with you a little bit today. It's an honor. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us here on the Word Scott Files. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. once again. Word Scott Files out. 